Welcome back to Techtopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Laura Dawson, CEO of Numerical Gurus, a consulting group with the book industry. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com. So welcome back to Techtopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Laura Dawson. She's CEO of Numerical Gurus. It's a consulting company with the uh, book industry. But I was really excited, Laura, because you tweeted that you're about to start a podcast about ISBN numbers. Um, yeah, ISBNs. Um, or you, or you have, or you have, or you have, a, you have a Twitter chat that runs that runs weekly mm-hmm. about this. And this is this is one of my little favorite things in the world to talk about. Uh, it might be a little bit boring for other people, but I think it's going to be exciting for us, right? <laughs> well, I've, I've made a career out of it. <laughs> I so. know, right? <laughs> yeah um i i really love the um i guess the vagaries the ins and outs of um identifiers and metadata in the book supply chain it's something that um <clears throat> once you really um get into the weeds you realize how much influence this stuff has over whether any given book is going to succeed or not so so just uh, out of curiosity, what's the what's the golden rule for uh, metadata? And I guess, so are we talking about how a book is defined in the marketplace, how the book is defined in the, in the, in the categories? Um, well, that, that really depends. Um, so there's a, the, the, um, the language of metadata is transmitted um, in, in the book world um, in a format called Onyx. It's an XML format. Mm -hmm. So um, publishers generate these Onyx feeds um, that uh, describe their books that they're offering uh, um, during a particular season. Um, So publishing is really sort of arcane. Um, A company is not necessarily, a a company is referred to as a house Mm -hmm. and they publish books by the season. Um, so it's really, um, it's, it's very different from the music industry. It's very different from the film industry in that it's, you know, it's kind of homey and cozy in that, in, in its terminologies, but behind the scenes, um, <laughs> it's a cutthroat <laughs> world of yeah. murder and intrigue. <laughs> exactly. Um, so these these feeds are transmitted to distributors and to um, e-commerce vendors and to bookstores, um, and it's taken um, publishers a long time to figure out what is the optimal amount of information to give. Um, and I mean, they've been transmitting digitally since the 1960s. Um, and you know the age of punch card computers, um, but it wasn't until the end of the '90s mm-hmm. that they came up with this Onyx format, and that was a big deal because Amazon had you know had been around only for three years, um, and had in those three years massively disrupted the book trade, and 
It took a bunch of uh, publishers, um, e-commerce startups, Amazon itself, and Barnes and Noble, which was just starting to compete with Amazon on the digital side, mm -hmm. uh, all in a room together, hashing out what makes sense for publishers to send to retailers. Okay. And and so that's that's sort of when Onyx was born, and it has sustained the book industry since that time. Um, it's maintained, new fields are added, new categories are added or deprecated. All of that stuff goes on within an organization um, called the Book Industry Study Group. They have the committees that maintain these, these standards, these code lists um, that get used within the Onyx format. Okay, so, the, so Amazon basically said you guys are too backwards. Kind of, yeah. And I mean, it seems like that way, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, what happened was publishers had never displayed any of their back-end metadata to anyone outside of the book trade. And when Amazon came up, consumers were looking at this data and, you know, trying to make purchasing decisions based on truncated titles, all caps, no cover image, you know, the stuff that we know today that helps us make decisions about what to buy didn't exist when Amazon started. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it had to be invented. And yeah, Amazon gave its requirements to publishers, but publishers also gave requirements back to Amazon saying, when you display stuff, you have to display it in this particular order, um, you know, and it, it was a, really a group effort between publishers and um, e-commerce vendors. But I want, and you don't have to, you don't have to say this out loud, but maybe if you just wanted to grunt, uh, grunt accordingly, the, huh. it's, it seems like, it seems like Amazon basically just came in and said, if you guys don't shape up, we can't sell your books, right? That's the, that's the idea. Um, it wasn't quite that way. And I was at those initial okay. meetings. Um, I, I, it, I want it to be that way. I want, I want Jeff Bezos to come in with an iron fist and like, I know. and there's some guy in tweed who's, who's right, sitting there. Right, right, right. Well, that happens on the financial side, on the, you know, the terms and conditions imposed by, um, by vendor agreements. Right. So, um, Amazon can say, Hey, um, you're going to give us a 55% discount on, on all your mm -hmm. books. Um, that's where, you know, the hammers come down. Um, on the communications side, on the marketing side, it's a little bit more cooperative in terms of what gets displayed and what doesn't. Um, the hammer also comes down on things like Amazon instituted customer reviews, right? Um, the book industry has had such difficulty with customer <laughs> reviews um, because they're they've made a business on review publications like the New York Times Book Review and um, New York Review of Books and all of these, these publications that exist solely to review books. Mm -hmm. And when it came to the point where anybody could say anything about a book, um, the, the editors, the agents, the authors, the reviewers were up in arms. <laughs> when anybody <laughs> could say anything about a book, they were very upset. Yes, <laughs> they were like, who is this guy making these comments affecting my book sales? So that that was incredibly disruptive. And that is, you know, consumer-generated metadata is stuff that um, 
the publishing industry can't control. And, um, and yeah, it's, um, it kind of goosed them. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, in that sense, um, in that sense, in the terms and uh, the, um, you know, what are you going to pay for co-op, which is another thing that um, publishers pay bookstores to display their books in a certain way. And that exists in the digital world as well. So um, those types of things are where Amazon gets to strong arm publishers. Wow. Okay. So... This is a so are are you are you in the under the assumption that uh, the what what so what's the future of books generally? What do you think? It really um, the answer to everything in the book world is it depends. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're talking about um, you know it depends on what types of books you're talking about. Um, there's Actually, there's a book, if you're interested in this, uh, that's, um, it's called Book of Futurists Manifesto, and it's by Hugh McGuire and Brian O'Leary um, that talks about these issues, um, talks about um, what is publishing going to look like as, you know, as the web sort of moves into the book space, and that has begun to happen. So... Um, the, there's an organization called the International Digital Publishing Forum, um, which sets ebook standards. So they invented the EPUB format. Um, they're also involved with with Kindle formatting um, and how your ebooks are going to look, how they're going to render on mm -hmm. your devices. Um, they are in the process of merging with W3C. And basically what that means is that the web is coming for books. Um, and so what is your book content going to look like when it's free of the containers, um, you know, whether it's a Kindle format, an EPUB format, um, and it is just HTML. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's the kind of thing that people are starting to think about now, much to the dismay of traditional publishers um, who would very much like to keep the book in the box where it belongs. Sure. <laughs> but what I envision is if you can treat a book the same way you can treat a web page or a series of web pages, you know, you can mark it up with schema.org and a book can turn into an API to other books. Okay. Um, and that's very much the kind of thing I would like to see as a more sort of Wikipedia experience. Interesting. So the, so the, we've always, we've always heard about the future of these, these connected books and you're supposed to be able to, to go through, through one book to see, mm -hmm. uh, to get to another one, et cetera. And, and basically you create a, you create the web. Why don't we just use the web? Um, that's a good question. And there's definitely a movement within um, the book industry to do that. Um, IDPF merging with W3C is a start. Um, there's a conference called Books and Browsers that's held every year um, in San Francisco um, that discusses these issues as well. And how do you, uh, this year, very high on the agenda is virtual reality and books. Um, but the idea is if you could access your books in a browser, you know, in real time, all the time, what are the possibilities? Mm -hmm. And 
you know, the possibilities are endless because it's just, it's just text and you can structure it um, however you want. And once it's structured in particular ways, certain things can happen. So, you know, if, if it's marked up with metadata, if it's segmented and, you know, tagged with identifiers, there is a lot a search engine can do with that. Okay. So, so something like Google Books, for example, is just mm -hmm. the, the tip of the iceberg in this, on this front. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The problem is, of course, on the business end. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Because publishers have a hard time figuring out how they're going to monetize that and stay in business. Um, so they're very scared of, you know, containers going away and books bleeding into one another because of course one publisher competes with another publisher and they, they don't want to point people to other books. So as a, as a, as a lover of books, how, how horrible will the future of books be? Cause it sounds like, it sounds like it's basically going to be uh, a bunch of uh, publishers who are, are relatively benighted, who are, and a small small focus groups who are basically saying, "Here, connect, guy, you guys should connect together," and they don't want to do that. Right. So we're in a situation where the publishers are basically going to force themselves out of business, very similar to the music industry did, uh, where they have a few major hits, and then mm -hmm. just sort of like this long tail of of sludge that sort of that sort of that makes a little bit of money for uh, almost nobody. Yeah, it's it's um, it's going to take a lot longer okay. than than the music industry did, just because you know publishing as we know it now is so entrenched, mm -hmm. um, and you know it's not yet possible to, for example, stream a book, um, and people also are very wedded to the paper experience. I've heard that a lot, but it's kind of... Yes, I know. And, and you know, I go back and forth personally. There's stuff I like to read on paper. There's stuff I like to read on my on my iPad. Um, and, you know, and then there's the whole question of audiobooks, and that's a whole other thing. So <laughs> um, there's, there's I you know, I, I don't know when that tipping point is going to come. Um, we thought it came when Amazon invented the Kindle. Mm -hmm. and quite honestly, I was at Barnes & Noble when they first went into eBooks in the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the road to the Kindle is littered with corpses sure. of Glassbook and you know all the other e Rocket and all these other e-readers. Um, so, in the moment, it's very hard to say, hey this is going to change everything because frequently it doesn't. And that's so it's, it's more true in the, in the book world I have found than in other media industries. Why is it, why is it that we, that with the book industry, almost all of us can name failures, right? We can basically yeah. say, we can basically say the nook was a failure. We could say, we could say all these different formats that had, I remember back in the old days when you used to have, um, um, the the CD CD ROM books, I guess you yes. should say, and that was a yeah. big deal. But that was the it's littered. It's you say it's littered with failures. I would argue that almost every technology is littered with failures. But why is it that we look at books and we kind of snort and say, "Look at how look at how awful, yeah, look at how awful things are for the book industry"? Because every time that hap everything that every time something happens, 
mm-hmm. in the book industry we say that it's a that it's a that's a step back but for for Elon Musk if his yeah if his rocket ship <laughs> explodes he's like well this is a good it was a good try we'll just keep at it is right, there right. is it is it the is it the appearance of elitism is it the fear yeah, that they're going to run out of money is it schadenfreude what are we looking at here i think it's a combination of you know traditionally people have um i and i don't i don't know how much you experience this but where i grew up um if you liked books if you were into books you were you know you were a nerd you were a bookworm mm-hmm. you were um and so there's a certain sense of fustiness and and like you said elitism um people regard the publishing industry as being sort of this gentleman's club of um like you said tweed wearing Mm -hmm. (laughs) um glasses wearing um intellectuals it's not but there is there is the sense of schadenfreude absolutely um and a sense of, oh, see, you tried and you couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, go back to your, go back to your being your ink-stained wretch. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I mean, to a, to a degree, that's too bad. But also to a degree, the, uh, the, uh, the self-publisher in me and the, and the guy, yeah. like, I, I, I feel like my ilk has single-handedly destroyed the news media. Uh, and I wrote about this because uh-huh. blogging and also the crazy stuff is fairly actively destroys the the ability to pay for content what i would what i would argue is that we're we're coming up to a point when we'll be able to pay for content we'll be forced to pay for content the fact that i can go to cnn and not pay and not pay Mm -hmm. somebody a penny per click is pretty ridiculous at this point there's there's well there's the question of why should, should the onus be on the consumer why shouldn't the onus be on the consumer um in, if you go with, for example, a library model, mm-hmm. um, the consumer pays nothing. Okay. Um, it's it, the consumer pays taxes. Okay. So, <laughs> well, I mean, so so some so somebody's got to pay. Right. The, the, Why should it be the the <laughs> person you know at the end of the line? And I see this with standards adoption, right? So you're a self-published author. Sure. Uh, did you purchase an ISBN for your book? I did, and I was very excited because it was great to have an ISBN. Right. There are plenty of people who complain about the price of the ISBN, okay. right? So a single ISBN is $125. Why should the author be the one paying that? Um, and and I see this, there's another standard, um, and my company is a registration agent for this standard. It's called an ISNI, and it is the standard that identifies the author, right? So say there are five John Biggs out there, Um how do you tell the difference? Say two of them are in tech. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's an overlap, an easy overlap there. How do you disambiguate? Um, well, the ISNI is is like an ISBN, but for authors, and it 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 distinguishes between the two. Um, so I run this registration agency, and I'm talking to publishers. Hey, register your authors for you know on behalf of your authors. Get them ISNIs, and they're like, Nah, we're just going to let the author pay. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you kicking the can down the road? What's this going to solve? Um, I mean, it's great for me because the margin on single registrations is is greater because there's you know there's more sure. work involved. It's not a you know I'm manually doing the entry, but um, but I don't think that that's a a sustainable model. <laughs> okay. 
Interesting. So, so, so I, I could, I could understand. I, I think the, I think the library aspect is, is going to be an interesting part of that. Like if, if, but then again, we're in a situation where do we want the government quote unquote paying for our clicks for our news? So, right, right. so the, so the idea of the public good back in the broadcast days where mm -hmm. GI Joe uh, car cartoons had to have a had to have a happy ending at the end <laughs> to fit that to fit that model of everything on the on the public airwaves has to have some sort of educational value yeah. which i believe right. has gone out the window but oh, that the, the the way it started was that that's that's how it started so i guess i don't know i don't know as a as a journalist what i want uh the i don't know king's county paying for a certain number of clicks for my readers in terms of library i i that's entirely feasible because i mean they already do that for magazines and they already do that for books anyway right. with the library right. but so what does what what does me reading a book look like in 10 years do i go to a library do i go to a bookstore do i do i open my kindle my holographic reader right 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 um i would say 10 years in, in book terms is not that long. So it's not going to look that much different. <laughs> um, what, what might begin to happen is that, um, I, and publishers are already doing this, There's, they send their books to Google and Google indexes them, right? Mm -hmm. So you might see more books showing up in search results. And, you know, obviously, because it's Google, you'll be directed to Google Play. And, you know, that's if publishers begin to mark up their books semantically, um, the way websites get marked up semantically. Mm -hmm. And there is provision for that in the current standards. And, of course, Amazon is is doing this. If you are reading on your Kindle and, and you know, you, you, you touch something, they have the Amazon X-Ray Mm -hmm. that pops up. And, um, I use this more for movies than I do for, yep. for books, but you know, where you get this outside information that contextualizes what's in front of you. So with Amazon, they've got, you know, of course they own IMDB and you're watching, um, you know, a TV show or a movie. And if you hover over what you're watching on the screen, then you get information about mm -hmm. all right who's which characters are on the screen at any given moment and and who they're played by and and all of that so i see more of that happening within books and then within publishers if a publisher is is publishing a series for example um having one book lead directly to another or refer back to a previous book in the series and i think that works better for nonfiction than it does for fiction. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's a that's an important thing. I I use that all the time for the uh, when I need to figure out if I miss something or, or yeah. I need a definition or something like that, and that that'll that works really well. Interesting. All right, so so you're saying that you're saying that that the book industry won't change in ten years, which is which is at once um, comforting and or sad. So I'm right. So, exactly. <laughs> And that goes back to our perception of the publishing industry. It's comforting in that, you know, okay, the fustiness, is, which we all kind of love in a little way, yeah. um, isn't going to go away. But it's frustrating because you want to see 
um, you know, you want to see innovation in greater leaps and bounds. Yeah, I mean, I guess to a degree, we need to remember that the that the dinosaurs too had had wonderful tea cozies, and they were very, yes, exactly. They were very, <laughs> they were very comforted. It was, it was, it was like Victorian England back then when they were when just before the meteors hit and right, the and the mammals right. uh, took over. So there is. There is at once a great threat, existential threat on the horizon, uh, yet a great comfort that nothing's going to change for a while. Right. Exactly. Wow. Well, this is this is one of my favorite topics. This is I we we have we have had we've had people who want space cars and we have people who want self driving I don't know robots, uh, but we haven't had a we haven't had a good book talk in a while. So I'm really happy. I'm really good. pleased with this. Good. 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 Yeah, I think people. Um, even people who are enamored with technology, and I am one of those people, um, I have every toy that, you know, mm -hmm. that ever comes out. But I am also very focused on things like cooking and knitting and gardening and being out in nature because you can lose yourself in, in the, the, the zeros and ones. Mm -hmm. And you need the tangible um, to kind of ground you a little bit. Super. Yeah, I think so. I and mean, I think... I think this, the crazy thing is that a, something like a Kindle is already tangible enough for a lot of us. Uh, mm -hmm. the fact that, the fact that we don't need a paper book anymore, right. uh, can really, is really changing the way we think about what that means. Uh, mm -hmm. we're never going to digitize a tomato plant, but you can at least digitize the book that you use to, to yeah. make that thing grow. Yep. Yep. All right. So where can people find some information and where can people see your, uh, your, your Twitter chats and your, and your upcoming projects? Um, the Twitter chat is um, hashtag um, ISBN hour, mm -hmm. all one word. And um, my website is numericalgurus.com. Yep. And um, very, very soon there will be a little booklet about metadata in the book world. There will be um, podcasts as well. So. All right. Well, I, ex I expect to be brought on as, a, uh, as the ex resident, resident tech, tech nerd. Yes, absolutely. Right. <laughs> so thank you very much for joining us. Laura Dawson, uh, CEO of Numerical Gurus. This has been Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. We will see you next week. Perfect. <laughs>